Drunk Botany, Episode 3. Hoist a glass and prepare to enter a world of gardens, brews, botany, and booze. Here's your host, Bill Creation. Hello, folks. This is your host, Bill Creation. Joining me today is Brian Hayosh. He's here to talk to us today about bitters. I figured we've been doing quite a bit of gardening-related stuff for a little while, and it's nice to take a little bit of a hiatus and uh, talk about something in the level of cocktail culture for the moment. You want to introduce yourself, Brian, or say hi? Hi, yeah, so I'm Brian. I've been working in restaurants about 16 years now. Yeah, so my background started as uh, more chef. Um, I found a lot of those abilities to pair flavors and dishes have really transferred and uh, helped me in my cocktail creations as well. A lot of things are definitely about balance, and, you know, that kind of brings us into today's topic, you know, the, the, the realm of bitters. You know, chefs have their spice racks and bartenders and mixologists, we have our, we have our bitters. It's interesting we say that because uh, I've been always, I've always kind of been a jerk about bitters. Um, I only use Angostura bitters. My favorite drink in the world is actually the old fashioned, specifically with bullet bourbon. And I can't get behind any of the other bitters that I've tried. Like, uh, we messed around with um, Aztec bitters for a while at a job I used to work at. I bought a bottle of Peychaud's bitters, and, you know, I just I couldn't get behind it. I don't like it. But I've also talked to you about bitters in the past, and it sounds to me like there's so much out there that you could do that it's really like a blank palette that you can craft specific cocktails around and tailor to fit your own styles. And I think that that's a really exciting thing for us to possibly talk about today. You know, so what do you know about the production of bitters? So the, the production of bitters, there is, you know, for instance, to start off with, it's it's kind of similar to how you would make gin. Um, so with, with gin, you're starting with a neutral spirit, typically a grain, um, but you can use corn or, you know, anything else like that. And then you either can do a cold maceration with your juniper berries and other botanicals, or you can do a uh, vapor infusion. Both of those methods do work for the creation of bitters. I'm going to stick more with the home method, which is the cold maceration infusion, um, simply because I don't have a still. Is that like tinctures? Yes, yes. Um, so taking gin again as an example, you have your, your standard botanicals of juniper berries. You have the orris root, which is a uh, iris flower root that has a flavor and aroma of violets, coriander, cucumber, and all those other great things. And that combined really makes the flavor of gin. And then you have different styles of gin that go from there. In the bitter world, all you're really doing is you're taking similar botanicals and herbs and stuff like that that you want to extract into a concentrated flavor, but you're focusing on specifically a very bitter compound. Classically, uh, since you mentioned Angostura, we'll start there. Angostura is... I'm going to interrupt you. What do you got on that tray over there? So, on the tray over here, I do have our house Angostura bitters right now. This is my stuff right here. Tastes like medicine. So... What I'm doing to showcase the flavors of these bitters for you in a flight, basically, is I've mixed, you know, three, four drops of bitters in with a little bit of soda water. And what's this cocktail over here? That is Seagram 7 American Blended Whiskey Martini uh, Sweet Vermouth. Martini Rossi, sorry. 
and homemade barrel-aged bitters. Barrel-aged bitters. Well, yes. Now you're speaking my language. Well, before I do that, I'm going to ruin my palate by tasting this, because remember, this show is Drunk Botany. So today we're drinking essentially uh, uh, Brian's Manhattan, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, you can really taste the wood in that. Yeah. All right, well, you might be selling me on craft bitters a little bit here. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to what, taste test? Yeah, now, now we'll taste test. So what you've got in front of you is your, is your, your favorite, your Angostura. That's your baseline. So i got a question for you. Is, is the Angostura bitters like uh, like an orange bitters? What's, what, what, what's the defining characteristic of this? Of in, this? in Angostura, the, the defining flavor of that and most bitters is going to be the gentian flower. Um this is made from a flower? Oh, I get that from the nose now. Well, it's made from the roots. But I would never have heard that if you hadn't... I, I mean, I would never have thought of that myself if you hadn't mentioned it to me, but... Yeah, it's, When I smell it, like, I get spices, I get... This is literally one of my favorite things. I'll put it in ginger ale sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's what bitters were originally vent, invented for, is to help... They were basically cure-alls. Um, every pharmacist would have his own concoction, and... They would use ancient medicinal flowers and ancient medicinal roots, things that for thousands of years before we started putting things under a microscope, people didn't realize what they were doing, and it ended up getting to that point where, over time, people just learned to love those flavors and didn't have to use them for those medicinal values anymore. You know, one of my favorite things to show people on an Angostura bottle is, you know, your, your ingredients list. It's alcohol, water, sugar, and then uh, gentian. Um, it is, you know, the fourth flavor on there, and then after that, it just says natural flavors. Okay, so gentian. Gentians are like a plant. It is. Um, it is grown in the foothills of the Alps, in between France and Italy. Um, it is basically a weed. Um, the flower stalk will get a couple feet high, and then uh, it is in the, the gentian that they use for Angostura is a bright white flower um, that will grow in bunches over the main stalk, and then it's got by I'm not a botanist that you are, um, but the leaves don't come from the same point. They're actually different spots on, on the, the plant uh, stem. Do not be fooled. I am no botanist. <laughs> um, so what they do then is uh, they'll harvest the roots. They dry them out on, on, on mats. And then once the roots are dry, they grind them up and they start this process. Angostura has 50, 60 ingredients, I'm thinking. Um, if I'm remembering the bitters right, there's there's more ingredients in there than you could ever, ever guess. Um, but when you mix it in with that soda water, you can start to pull certain other flavors out of it. The, uh, the effervescence in that soda water. I'm telling you, I drink this all the time, and I'm tasting things that I normally would never have noticed were there. But I bet now that I taste them, I could probably pair them with, like, more aggressive flavors of gin. This might subdue certain things, you know? Like, I would never have thought to, like, mix gin and uh bitters before but you know you're telling me like gin has been a a cocktail word we've utilized quite a bit just in this particular podcast but i wanted to ask you um so this flower does this does this grow in the united states at all it can uh, it can be cultivated in the united states i'll have to look into that i'll try and find some like uh uh i'll try to find zone information on that yeah. so that i can put it out there for any listenership Anybody out there who wants to try to make their own bitters, uh, this would be a really great idea. Classically, the, that, that flower is going to be the, more, the most widely used in the world of bitters. You'll also find that in many Amaros that you find in Italy as well, but we'll save that for another topic. I'm not done talking with you about some of these things. Yeah, I think we'll have to talk tomorrow yeah. another day. I'm going back to this Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a good Manhattan. 
So classically, some of the other bittering ingredients that you can find and use, um, angelica root is another very bitter herb. Wormwood is very commonly found in a lot of aromatic bitters. Wormwood's that one that they put in the absinthe, right? Yes, yes. You know, like Ernest Hemingway and all that stuff. Exactly, exactly. For a long time, Wormwood got a bad rap for causing, you know, the little green fairy hallucinations, but... Well, I always wondered why bourbon made me feel literary. It was because I was putting bitters in it every time. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so like right now, I've actually, uh, I harvested a bunch of dandelions. I dried the roots, and they're currently soaking and macerating right now. So my my next game to try is a uh, local harvested dandelion root. So you focus so much on the root, do you ever use the petal? In certain things. Um, it depends on what you're going for with your bitters. No. Well, I, I ask because there's dandelion wine. I used to make dandelion wine with my brother, which maybe that could be an episode in the future. We'll see. But I am I'm a sucker for utilizing flower petals in cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with the dandelion flower itself, I don't know how often I would use it in the flower or in a, in a cocktail just because it is a bitter herb. Going a little off topic, some fun flower petals I have used in cocktails are things like hibiscus, rose hip, um, orange blossom makes another great addition. All of those you can find as you know classic tinctures. There's orange blossom water, there's rose hip water, and you know those things are again just kind of base flavors that if you're looking to take your bitters and add it up to or add a little more of a citrus backbone to it, then something like the orange blossom water would be something to consider. Which actually segues nicely into the, the Peychaud's bitters, which is the next guy I have in front of you here. You call it Peychaud's? Yeah, you know, my, my French is a little bit American, so I can't really... <laughs> I can't do French at all, man. Um, I, especially when the French I'm has offensive. been... I'm offensive. Yeah, especially when the French has been creoled, if you would say. But this is another ancient style of bitters. Um, it actually lasted through prohibition simply because it was considered a medicinal uh, product. So they were allowed to still produce their alcohol to make this. So this bitter is classically found in the Sazerac cocktail. Um, Sazerac rye whiskey is another Louisiana, New Orleans product. Oh, my um, mom loves Sazerac. She loves New Orleans. This is going to be, uh, I'm going to be a hit on Memorial Day, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, another, another brand I didn't bring with me today um, is Fee Brothers. They've been around for a long time. I have used Fee Brothers. Again, they have like a, Fee Brothers lets you buy like a collection of yes. bitters. Oh, and they, I just, I'm not sold dozens. on Fee Brothers. Again, Angostura every time. So the thing with Fee Brothers that's a little bit different is they do a glycerin extraction to get their flavors. They're not actually using alcohol to strip those flavors. Which is nice because if you're ever looking to make and spice up kid cocktails, you could always use the Fee Brothers brand because there's, so there's no alcohol. There's no alcohol in there. Yeah. I remember I remember being surprised that there was alcohol in Angostura when uh, when I first got my first bottle because it was always this thing that people associated with non alcoholic drinks and kids' punches and things like that. But yeah, uh, glycerin. Glycerin's like a byproduct of soap or something, isn't it? I believe so. I believe so. Like like glycerin soaps as a, are, are in a lot of those like melt and pour soaps and stuff like that. I was always curious about that because my father used to make his own Kahlua. And uh, he always used glycerin as one of the ingredients. And I always thought that was a strange ingredient to have. But you're telling me that it's in... Uh, it, it's in it's in Fee Brothers, so I guess that I don't have to be so afraid 
of ingesting what I thought was soap. You know, leave it to my dad to still find a way to put soap in my mouth in 35. It's it's quite a unique world. And across the country right now, we're seeing a renaissance of the cocktail. Everything old is Every, new again. Everything old is new again. The cocktail is uniquely American. We started mixing cocktails. The story I've heard is in this region, actually, uh, somewhere in the tri-state area. People started mixing different liquors together and then adding bitters to them. I have a book on that that I'll have to tell you about yeah. at some point. Uh, there's like a story that's the origin of the cocktail. And I, th- I believe it originally found itself in print in a gentleman's sideboard companion. I don't know. I have to get the title on that correct. But if I do, I'll put it in the show notes page for everybody. But in the meantime, I'm sorry before I so rudely interrupted you. We were talking about uh, Peychaud's bitters and how it's going to be different yeah. from the Agnostra. So one big difference is that it is um, a little bit lighter in flavor. Um, <laughs> Look at me double fisting over here. Yeah, so the the classic Angus store is, in my opinion, is going to have that almost of a cinnamon undertone to it. You know, I do get the cinnamon. I think that might be what I like the most about yeah. it. Um, and it just it just warms you up. That's what I like about the Angostura. Whereas the Peshuds is going to be, you know, there I, I just changed my pronunciation on it. Um, what that does is it's it's a little bit lighter, has a touch more of a citrus note to it going on, and it lends itself better, I think, to rye whiskeys versus bourbons. Because in a bourbon being corn based, you're going to have a little bit of a sweeter liquor to start with, so you don't need as much in your bitters. Whereas a rye whiskey is going to have more spice to it from being from rye instead of corn and then that's why the pishudes adds that touch of sweetness going on see i'm getting like the thing that's hitting me over the head like a ton of bricks is anise you don't taste any anise well mine's not mixed with soda water yet yeah well you're a jerk yeah Uh, see i and i'll tell you i've used this before and this is not a flavor that i normally pick up on again because i'm always mixing it with still whiskey and not sparkling water yeah so that definitely gets that little bit of the Almost like a fennel, though, too. That's interesting. Yeah. But it, lo- it looks also like you've you've made some bitters over I, there. I have, yes. Um, so this next bitters I've got for you here is the House Bitters at Simeon's on the Commons in Ithaca, uh, my, my former bar home before I came back. Um, and what I have for you here is the, a small sample of their House Barrel-Aged Aromatic Bitters. So this, I used a blend of Jensen root and Oregon grapefruit. It's another root grown on the, the West Coast. Where are you getting these roots? Uh, so I go to, I used to go to a place in Ithaca called, oh uh, my goodness, I don't have their business card. Well, if you're not in Ithaca, you can go to Dandelion Botanicals. They are in Seattle, Washington. Very prominent online. Very easy to find, and you can order anything and everything you can think of. Well, then I will link to Dandelion Botanicals in the show notes page so that anybody who's listening and wants to create their own bitters can absolutely do so. But if I can find out this place in Ithaca, I'll also link there so that if you're you're on the eastern seaboard, Ithaca's the place to go. If you're on the west coast, then it sounds to me like Dandelion Botanicals is your home. But, I mean, you could find them... Pretty much in any any small little college town or very liberal community is going to have a shop like this. 
Um, these are places that are making, you know, cruelty-free soaps. They do all sorts of bath bombs, tinctures, things of that nature. Yeah, we have nothing like this at Rutgers. <laughs> we were like as liberal East Coast as you could get. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but just, you know, little hippie herb shops is definitely what I seek out to find my, my products because every one of them is going to have a different, different selection for you. Um, I used to get my wormwood at... Uh... Corrado's Markets, I want to say in Clifton, New Jersey. Uh, you had to have a car to get there, which was a scarce commodity back in the college days, but who knows what it's like anymore. My first batch I ordered from Dandelion, and then I found a local shop. Um, I just feel trying to support local is definitely going to be the way to go, just because they're going to be able to have fresher stock for you, rather than placing your order and waiting days for it to come in the mail. You don't know what's going on, what temperatures it's going through. It's just, I just feel more quality is... is uh, found when you get it closer to home. That's true, especially with botanicals. I mean, my general uh, tendency is I would rather wait two days in my house than 20 minutes behind somebody at the Walmart. Oh, so back to the bitters. Um, yeah. So Which this, one is this? This is this is the barrel-aged bitters from Simeon's. Where you used to work. Where I used to work, yes. Um, I trained as a mixologist as well as doing a lot of their wine and beer uh, selling and buying. But really, this is where I absolutely fell in love with the idea of mixology and what cocktails can be. You know, there's nothing wrong with the Cosmopolitan. There's nothing wrong with, you know, the French Martini and some of these sweeter drinks. Um, but we're starting to see just the general flavor palette of the American drinking public switch back to those classic bitter style drinks yeah but whiskey is big right now and whiskey has always had a huge love affair with bitterness yeah oh absolutely and another thing to consider too is just these things were once designed to be medicinal and there is no scientific backing to any of that now but it is known that i don't know no i think you might be out of line on that one uh in fact most modern medicine is ultimately based on things that we figured out through herbs and stuff like that isn't tylenol originally derived from uh from plants that people used as uh as cure-alls back in germany and things like that i i feel like a lot of modern anesthesia came from like voodoo practices that hmm. were utilized in like uh I don't know, I'm making this one up, but Haiti. But there was a movie that I saw about it, like, way back in, like, the early 90s or late 80s. And it was called The Serpent and the Rainbow. And I, my, my aunt is an anesthesiologist, and she told me that, yeah, that was 100% true. Like, they literally took different botanical ideas that certain cultures had and turned them into modern medicines. Okay, well, I look forward to... Listening to your blog on that one, I guess. Uh, well, no, I don't have a blog on that yeah, one, but right. it's it's a movie. No, it, it it's sounds... a it's a Wes Craven film, I believe. Huh. I have to look into that. No, but I, I did, all right. So I, I misspoke, but it was one of those. You know, I guess I didn't say it in the right voice. Nothing said in this program could be legally responsible. Um, no, it's definitely one of those things that in Italy, especially, people love to go for those bitter drinks after their meal. Because it just kickstarts your digestion. It just gets you ready to continue enjoying your night rather than being too full and ready to just take a nap. Yeah, Angostura is marketed as a digestif. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, it's just a just a great flavor addition into a lot of cocktails. And we've been seeing more and more that utilize the, the very sweet liqueurs. And a lot of those drinks, you really can't have more than one of before it just starts to, you know, really affect 
um, just your, your sugar levels in general. So This uh, bitters is the one that's in the cocktail we're drinking over yes. here, right? I'll tell you, I'm really digging it. Yeah. I, you know, it's got to be that gentian flower. That's probably the tie-in that I like. And, you know, barrel-aged I love, hence my love of whiskey. So next I brought another fun one. Uh, this one I actually used the True Blue Celestial Seasonings tea bags. Uh, I used two of those. And then to that I added my other botanicals that I've been sort of messing around with to create my, my house flavor of bitters. Um, and then this one I sweetened with dried cranberries, dried raisins, and some other uh, roundabout spices in there as well. So this one's really going to have that, almost the tannins that you would get from drinking black tea. And then that adds those sweetness of the dried berries. And oh, it does smell like tea. I haven't tasted it yet. Yeah, no, I definitely get the tea in that. How many drops do you put in here? Three, four? Like three dashes in there? Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole tea bag. I can't believe that. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely one of those fun things that I just never stopped experimenting with the flavors. Um, things I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward with right now, I'm doing a lilac extraction. I'm curious to see how that one comes out. Also, I'm working on a mint bitters right now, just because I think it would be fun to do mojitos, juleps, things of that nature, but have that extra layer of flavor with that bitterness undertone going on in there rather than just muddling the fresh mint in there. And then actually today we had the, the specialty cocktail here at Fire and Ice that I, uh, me and you came up with. So that was uh, beef eater gin, pomegranate juice, a little bit of lemoncello, and then I did this bitters you're about to try, which is the citrus cinnamon bitters. Uh, so I started by making a cinnamon extract and a citrus peel extract. Oh, I get the cinnamon a lot in there. Yeah. But when I smell it, all I smell is the lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the flavor I like because you sort of, on the back end of the palate, really pick up the, the, the lime and the orange to kind of add that subtle sweetness to kind of balance out the flavor of the whole thing. You could just put this in club soda and uh, drink it on a summer day. Like, this would be a thing that people would do. Yeah. You know, for anyone thinking about making their own bitters, patience is key. Start to finish, each batch of bitters takes about eight weeks. In all, you're probably doing only about six hours of work, though. So it's it's a little bit of prep, a little bit of dicing, and then you kind of mix your jars together, and then you just want to put it away. Uh, find a nice, dark, cool place that it's not going to get knocked around too much, um, but still accessible because you want to check on it every other day and shake it. And you're basically just keeping those flavors in contact with as much of the alcohol as possible. Uh, I use Everclear for my extraction. I was going to ask that. So Everclear, uh, because it's predominantly alcohol as opposed to, say, vodka, which would be like the budget route to go? Yeah. Um, I would say another route you can go is uh, Devil Springs, which is a New Jersey-based uh, white lightning. It's 151 proof vodka. I have never heard of this place, and I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, even it's well, it's obviously based on the the, the Jersey Devil region being Devil Springs. Um, That's where I come from. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but you know, some of the other bitters that I've made that I didn't bring with me today, I made a cola bitters using utilizing a cola nut, K O L A. That I used rum uh, as my my base spirit because. I mean, everyone loves a rum and coke, and my, my philosophy behind making that bitters was being able to do a <laughs> more, 
More rum. Exactly. More rum, less Coke. <laughs> um, so I did an upstyle rum Manhattan, and I used that for my bitters. In Ooh, there. actually, that sounds great. Did you put vermouth in that? I did, yes. That I used uh, Kochi Antica Formula Vermouth. No, sorry, Antica. Yes, Antica is what I use. Kochi is my, my, my go-to for home Manhattans. But yeah, I guess we'll have to, have, we'll have to do another discussion yeah. here on... Uh, Vermouths and uh, and amaro because those two tie very closely together. One is a one is a wine base and one's a liquor base. So I've really enjoyed having you on the show. I'd really like to go ahead and do either of these two episodes or both if time allows. But yeah, so uh, I'm gonna mind you for one last little bit if you don't mind. No, not at all. If you wanted to give listeners out there a blueprint for a basic. Easy to use, easy to make bitters. What would you suggest goes in it? So as a as a very basic style bitters, start start with a high proof liquor. Definitely want something over a hundred proof. Anything less than that, eighty proof vodkas. Really, you're not going to get enough enough punch uh, to really pull those flavors out. So that's definitely the first important step I would say is find a high proof liquor. Then it's finding your bittering ingredient. Uh, gentian root and Oregon grapefruit are both ready, readily available here in you, the United States. You'd suggest for this hypothetical using both? That's what I've been doing with mine is a, is a blend of the two. I do a 60-40 blend of Jensen root to Oregon grapefruit. As to why, I have no reason other than I just gut instinct started going that route for making all of my bitters and i like the flavors of mine so i you know if it ain't broke i'm not going to fix it yet well how, how are you measuring this like uh, let's say you had a mason jar a quart jar you wanted to fill that with uh i i typically do about a tablespoon heaping of gentian root and then a tablespoon not quite heaping of the the oregon grapefruit and that's kind of you know I, I i drink while i make these things so it's more of an eyeballing thing um, but I do use a tablespoon. One's just more full than the other of the two. Then I usually do, you know, three, four grams of jasmine flowers to kind of add a little bit of a floral note to it. Um, fresh orange peel is another great addition. Um, the more you go, the more towards a citrus-style bitters you'll get. Um, but even in just a classic aromatic bitters, you're going to want a little bit in there. Raisins, cranberries, things of that nature is definitely a fun route to go as far as adding some of those deeper sweet notes to it. Cardamom, coriander, cinnamon. Oh, goodness, just just pilfer your spice rack. Think of things you enjoy. Well, hypothetically, let's say we took this one over here that had uh, the barrel in it. Yeah. What uh, What would you say would be the canvas that you worked with on this like uh what'd you put on that so that one what i did is i did a little bit of research online and i actually started by searching what's in angostura it is a closely guarded secret there's i believe only two or three people who know the full recipe and they aren't telling anybody of course not (laughs) (laughs) you can definitely find a lot of different routes online as far as allrecipes.com has got a couple good aromatic bitters on there. Um, Chowhound is another good site that's got some cool uh, aromatic bitters ideas on there. And what I did is I sort of looked through those lists and found 
aromatic bitters. Um, what you start to notice is that it's definitely the gentian flower that is the main base bitter flavor. Second by far is definitely the Oregon grape root. So that's why I kind of went with the idea of doing the gentian root and the Oregon grapefruit side by side. It kind of bridges that gap in flavor between a lot of the bitters on the market. But again, I try to always change it up just a little bit batch to batch. It's uh, it's still very fluid, if you will. Constantly far. evolving. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm sure nobody at home just like is sitting on a barrel. And if they are, it's probably old and not usable. But... Uh... Would you say that you could introduce this woodsy flavor in the way that some home winemakers do with, like, say, chips or something like this? Again, if you're just using a mason jar or something. Yeah, you know, I don't see anything wrong with doing something like that. And that actually gives you a little bit more flexibility to try new things because in barrels, you're always going to end up with oak. Whereas I feel like if you go the chip route, then you can... It gives you cherry. It gives you apples. Yeah, definitely uh, opens up different aspects of that as well. One small tip I would recommend after doing this once myself is do your maceration in a mason jar, strain it, and then put it in the barrel. You do not understand misery until you've tried to fish a raisin out of a pencil-sized hole in a barrel. just does not work. Um, I've done it, but that's because I didn't want to lose my barrel. Definitely do your maceration, let that sit your six, seven weeks, do your strain, and then mellow it in the barrel. Um, I wouldn't recommend mixing in the barrel uh, after my trials in the last round. Besides that, it's definitely one of those things where you just keep keep looking things up. If there's something you think of as, you know, we started the show by talking about the, the Aztec mole bitters. You know, that's something that really, if, if you're not thinking about the bitters as your main flavor, not many cocktails are going to work with that. But if you start by saying, what do I want to infuse this chocolate mole flavor into? We built a chocolate martini around it. Hmm. That's interesting. And you didn't like it, huh? Uh, Well, no, I was not a fan of the bitter because I'm always thinking bitters and whiskey. But it actually, truth be told, it worked very well in the cocktail that it was designed for. So would you say that um, we could put together a recipe for bitters that I could throw on the show notes page? Something that would let people, you know, try to be mad scientists at home. Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, and if you like, I know I can uh, I can probably get you that information in just a couple hours once I'm back on my computer. I just didn't think to, to bring, bring a copy of my recipe with me. But... No, that's fine. I'm not looking to actually, like, steal your recipe. Uh, On the other hand, if there's something that you feel compelled to share, I will absolutely put it on the show notes page because I'm sure there are people at home that are anxious to try it. Yeah. Um, Well, I won't share all my secrets, but I will definitely give a a recipe for aromatic bitters that will, you know, make the next round of Manhattans you, you make for your friends at home a unique experience that no one will be able to copy because you made them yourself. (laughs) Can we put the wood chips in it? Because that was awesome. (laughs) Well, I guess that's it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Drunk Botany. Visit us at drunkbotany.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll join you next week.